Welcome to the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour, and we do love happy hour and the clinking of glasses and cheers to all you fabulous women who are fully living your lives at every age and every stage. And here's the best news, every hour is happy hour. So whether you clink cheers with your coffee mug or your afternoon cappuccino, remember as the song says, it's five o'clock somewhere. Join us for some grown-up fun, interesting and stimulating conversations that will motivate, inspire, or just make you laugh. And for more grown-up fun, visit our website, The Three Tomatoes, and the three is spelled out, and sign up for our newsletters. Now sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. Welcome to today's episode of The Three Tomatoes Happy Hour. And it will be happy because we're talking about weed today with one of the rising stars in the cannabis industry. Gene Sullivan is a fierce advocate for the legislation and regulation of cannabis. She's an amazing and inspiring woman who co-founded the first female-led venture capital firm in New York City in the 90s, and she's now building the Arcview Venture Fund to invest in the cannabis industry. I've had the pleasure of knowing Jean for many years, and she's a phenomenal supporter and mentor of women entrepreneurs, including me, who have benefited from her sage advice over the years. Forbes says she is one of the women VCs changing the world and grooming the next generation of female entrepreneurs. So welcome, Jean, and I have to say, what's a nice girl like you doing in the weed business? Oh, Cheryl, aren't you so kind of your introduction? Thank you. And I love being asked that question because you know what's so funny? People always ask me two questions all the time. First, they say, Jean, why are you doing this like this? And it makes me laugh because I do have a face that does not look like the quote, stoner type so that makes it all the more fun and then the second question everybody has to know gene do you smoke do you use are you high right now people just have to understand and are dying to know what i use and if i use and i just think that's one of the <laughs> well i've known you a long time and i know that yes you are high but you are always high on life and all the exciting things around you you don't need any other stimulative well, thank be you high. And, and i thank you for that and you know even though cannabis is my passion women supporting women showing women the way connecting women that is really my first love and so how fun to talk to you and your wonderful uh audience who you know longs for these kinds of connections and insights and ideas absolutely absolutely so let's let's start to talk about the business of cannabis if you can yes. break it down so there's the legalization of medical marijuana, there's the legal, legalization in some places of recreational marijuana, and then, of course, there's the proliferation of CBD products for just about everything you can name. So it's confusing. So can you give us an overview of what the industry looks like right now? It is confusing. And let me pick up a thread from your first question about why would I even be doing this? Here's what happened. In 2014, I left my fund, which I had co-founded, and I founded what I love to call the Sullivan Golf Travel and Speaking Tour. <laughs> <laughs> I, unlike most of you, 
am very under-traveled internationally, and I wanted to fix that. And in 2014, New York passed the Compassionate Care Act, which actually made New York the 23rd state to adopt medical cannabis as a program. So notice we weren't first or a leader, definitely a laggard, and guess what? We as a state are still a laggard. More on that in a minute. So I, uh, what happened was we got involved with one of the first licenses here in New York, and there's only 10 licenses. Hmm, interesting. Each, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Each license holder gets to cultivate, gets to extract, and has four dispensaries. And the state told us which counties we could be in. So it's not like we could go figure out where to put them. And it wasn't like we could put them all in Manhattan. So can you imagine, Cheryl, if the state of New York only had 40 CVSs in the entire state, and that was the only place you could get your medicine? And so it's kind of silly. Again, I'll pick up the thread on New York in a bit. Mm -hmm. But let me take you to the really interesting question of why did this attract me? Why should this attract anyone? Why is it so huge? And what the heck's going on? So I decided, and it was really just like the women. When I was a general partner in my fund, people asked me, where are the women? And I did the research and went, what? Well, where are they? Same with this. I did the research and I learned, the first thing I learned was about the social justice issues. What? We still arrest 600,000 people? There's more than 2.3 million in our jails and prisons. More that's, than that's, an, that's an astounding number to me. Astounding. Just, uh, yeah, it's shocking, guess really. What? Guess what? It's more than any other country, including China. And wow. many, many of those uh, people in jails and prisons are there just for possession of cannabis. This is shocking to me. So I learned that first. But then being a longtime investor, I said, oh, my golly, I see the huge economic upside. I rode the tech wave. I am riding this wave. So what cleared the way for me was learning about the terrible beginnings how this happened, why cannabis became a Schedule One drug. Do you know what Schedule One even means, Cheryl? No, I don't. Means, Explain that to us. It means no health benefits in any way. That's why it's federally illegal. And guess what else is Schedule One? Only heroin and LSD. Oh, my and gosh. Even cocaine is not Schedule One. And so it's pretty shocking when I learned that back in the 30s, some really racist white men decided that they didn't want people to use, they didn't like the fact that a lot of people from Mexico were using, and that's why a lot of us in the business don't even use the word marijuana, because it was used pejoratively, and mm -hmm. it was used as a cheap excuse to arrest young black and brown men and boys. I was shocked by all this and learned that back in the day, people like DuPont didn't want hemp to overtake nylon and rayon and cotton. And also, uh, people in the business didn't want hemp to take over paper like Hearst. 
So can you imagine? I learned all this and said, "Oh my golly!" Yes. What a what a what a fascinating history there yes, that it has none nothing. of us are really aware of. Correct. Unless you dig in. That's right, and that's one of the reasons I'm so passionate because the health effects, good and bad, and there's certainly issues, uh, have have nothing to do with the early days of prohibition. And this stigma, the reefer madness stigma, was laid upon us in the early part of the 1900s and then in the 1930s, that's when it came about. And that's when this Schedule One position happened for cannabis. And so it had nothing to do with the rights and wrongs or with the science or the health effect. So here's also what's interesting to tell you. Back actually in the, in the many years ago, in the 50s, this incredible scientist, Dr. Raphael Meshulam, in Israel, and he's in his late 80s now and still practicing as a scientist. He's the first to discover what is now known as the endocannabinoid system. And he figured out THC and CBD. Those are two of the most popular, what's called cannabinoids. And there are more than 140 of these compounds, they're molecules, that are in the plant. And guess what they do? They work together to create a wellness effect. Now, back to your good question, what the heck's going on? So here's the lay of the land. Now in the US, 33 states have adopted either medical as a program, you have to have a card, mm -hmm. and physicians have to be certified to not they don't call it a prescription, they call it a recommendation here in the US. And they can write a recommendation, and each state has its own set of rules and regs. In New York State, I actually made everybody laugh last week when I spoke at a conference. I asked, of course, inappropriately, how many married women were in the audience? And the guy I was speaking with on the, on the podium, he laughed at me for asking that. I said, no, I have a reason. Chronic pain is one of the uh, issues, medical issues, where you can get a medical marijuana card in the state of New York. So if you're married, then I say chronic pain works for you. And that's <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing. Uh. I'm glad you're laughing. And so uh, each state has a different set of regs. Even in New York State, which is not very progressive, we do have a nice list which does include chronic pain, and now it actually includes op opioid use. So if you use opioids, that's one of the conditions whereby New York State says you should be able to get a me medical marijuana card. And that's because we already know that it can lessen the reliance on opioids. So isn't that interesting? Yeah, you know, I was actually going to ask you about that because I, yeah. I had read somewhere, I don't remember where, that in... Uh, areas where they have made recreational marijuana legal that it actually has reduced uh, the rate of other use of other drugs and I have studied I have studied this from a science way from a technology way from economic way and there is no doubt if you break your leg yes you might need an opioid for the first couple of days but you do not need it for six to twelve months and that's where these cannabinoids that are rich in wellness can relieve pain and stop pain. And let me just say it 
uh, this is one of the areas we're also completely behind as a country because we have not allowed even the research to be done that allows the efficacy to be understood. Like, what is that? So we need to do the research as a country and it just hasn't been allowed. It's just starting now. A lot of studies are starting. And in fact, even for your program, I know some wonderful women physicians right here in New York City who are doing some of those studies and are so practiced and knowledgeable about the science. And you'd enjoy having them on. Oh, and yeah, that's yes. great to know. Yeah, and so continuing on what's going on in the U.S. So 33 states, 11 of those states have what's called adult use. We don't like to call it recreational because we don't want to promote use among kids or teenagers. Mm -hmm. And so it's called adult use if they've passed laws that allow people to just walk into a dispensary and buy whatever they want to buy and you don't need a card. Now let me take you there on that because I found this so interesting. As I did my research, this is what I learned that I, I was fascinated by. You know how California and some of those other adult use states, Colorado, Oregon, right. Washington, mm -hmm. Alaska, the reason they have adult use and well before the rest of us on the East Coast is because they have what's called citizen ballot initiatives. So in California, which was the first to actually uh, adopt uh, really medical many, many years ago. Listen to how that happened. It happened because people who had AIDS needed and wanted to eat, and cannabis helped them restore some of their interest in food. And so a lot of the chefs and cooks and people who figured out how to make edibles way back then, this is 1996, hmm. actually made a lot of uh, brownies and other food that help AIDS patients get back some energy so they could eat. Okay, so here's what happened. The AIDS patients actually are the ones who created Prop 215, which allowed medical to come into play in California. And then in the last few years, Colorado, California, and these other states adopted adult use. And that's because the people were able to put that on the ballot. But the East Coast states, for the most part, are legislatively bound, except you probably realize Massachusetts has adopted adult use. So yes. now, yeah, so starting now, the people that have licenses in Massachusetts are able to open dispensaries. They're open now. And in fact, they're enjoying what they call the New York effect. People driving from New York and these other states on the East Coast to Massachusetts to be able to just walk into a dispensary. So this is because of the laws of the various states. So each of the 50 states have their own fiefdoms of rules and regs. So New York does not have the ability. New York, for it as a state to adopt adult use has to be legislatively managed. And this past year, 2019, it failed by two votes in our state legislature. And it is expected to be adopted, we believe, in 2020, because Cuomo, our governor, as you know, has been very conservative about it. Actually, right. 
actually to support him slightly, he said it took us years to stop smoking in the restaurants and bars. Why would I want smoking again? And so even our medical program does not have flour or edibles because of the fear of kids using and wanting gummies and edibles and flour. He was against smoking. And as you know, you just walk down the street in New York and everybody is smoking or vaping. Right. Now, why is that? It's because they have no ability to, let's say, buy it easily. You have to have this medical card here. But plus, if you do have a medical card, you go into a dispensary here, and guess what? There's very few choices, tinctures, some capsules, some salves, let's say lotions and topicals, but no flour, no edibles. So, of course, that leaves the illicit market in a very growing state, and New York is the largest illicit market hmm. in the world. So I did not know that it is. So let me so let me ask you now. I know. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the investment and business opportunity side because it seems like listening to you as as an investor, it, this must be a lot of challenges here because you're talking about something that's regulated, legislated. We don't quite know who's going where with this. How how is that affecting the investment and business opportunities? Is my question. A quick answer, it's booming. <laughs> it's, okay. it's gone from just, you know, <clears throat> several million dollars to billions. And in fact, year to date this year, about $11 billion has been invested worldwide. That's both public and private. But wow, it's really happening. And then, of course, <clears throat> people want to return on their investment. And so... Uh, let me just show you back to those numbers. 10.6 billion year to date this year against last year, 8.4 billion. <clears throat> and, and yet just a few million several years ago. So what's happened is a lot of these U.S. companies, they're called MSOs for multi-state operators, have gone public in Canada because our U.S. exchanges are not allowing companies that call, we call it touching the plant. They don't allow them to be listed on the, new, the U.S. exchanges, just non-planting or the what's called ancillary companies. Some of the tech companies are there. So they're public in Canada. And as you may know, that Canadian marketplace has had a lot of up and ups and downs mm -hmm. just in the last several months. But listen to this. People want to have exits too. So year to date, there's been almost 300 M&A uh, transactions just this year. So the, the large public companies are buying other companies and investors are acquiring brands and some of the tech companies, and that's starting to happen in a very grand way. So there's a lot of action. Yeah. So Jean, so Jean, people who are sitting here listening are probably thinking now, this is huge. I want to get on in on this. What do I do as an individual to get a piece of this action? How do I even invest in this? Here's the good news. Just like anything, tech stocks, life science stocks, any kind of stocks. You have to understand what's going on 
and you have to study it by reading voraciously and by attending and going to some of the conferences. And guess what? Just this past year, there were more than 200 gatherings and conferences and all kinds of events. Uh, if you're in the New York area, there's plenty right here where you can learn and attend. But let me tell you, for the serious investor, there is one major conference that happens on an annual basis. It's called the MJ Biz, B-I-Z conference. And this year, it's in Las Vegas again, but in December. It's always been November, but it's been moved to December. My kids are happy because I'll be home for Thanksgiving for the first time <laughs> in five years. Wow. Because we always stay out there and enjoy the West. Right. And so... Uh, if somebody's serious about it, they should read something called MJ Biz Daily, which is a, a free subscription. It comes out uh, several days a week, and it's got the business information and the companies that are thriving. And then I uh, have been part of something called ArcView, A-R-C-V-I-E-W, and we put together five big events a year. We just had our first Manhattan event, early October. And we bring the thought leaders and put them on stage. And wow, is that interesting. And then we put many companies on the podium that investors can look at and learn about because it's so complicated, Cheryl, and it's so confusing. People want professionals who understand the business. I've now been in the business more than five years, and I laughingly will tell you I'm considered a pioneer because of that, but I would call myself a subject matter expert at this point because I have seen thousands of cannabis companies, met with many, many hundreds, and I go to all these events, especially the business events, where I can learn and meet uh, these companies. And those are available to anybody listening to this, and they're pretty exciting. And two days before, December 9th and 10th, we're part of MJ Biz because we're doing a whole investor conference in Vegas two days before the great big event, which starts the 11th of December. So that's the major event, but there's many other events throughout the year, and I'm happy to field any requests about what those could be, or just Google them and, and your listeners can see you know, what might be interesting to them. Well, that, that, is, that is really, really great to hear. Now, I know that you've also said you think that the cannabis industry is a huge opportunity for women. How, how so? Well, luckily, there are many of us who are women investors and women entrepreneurs and business owners. And frankly, we don't want to screw it up like we feel the tech industry screwed it up. Do you know today there's only... Uh, 24, I think it's now up to 32 women as CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. Come on, this is crazy. And you know why more than anybody. Women make most of the business and purchase decisions in the household. Yeah. Insurance, clothing, uh, the cars, the homes we live in, what our kids wear, what our husbands wear. And so why aren't we at the executive level driving those decisions in the compensation committees and the executive committees. We as women don't want that to happen in cannabis. There is a really strong group of us as women investors and entrepreneurs who demand open doors 
for including women as medical practitioners. We want women to join us in the cannabis industry, get certified and learn the science, and that's thrilling. We want women as entrepreneurs from marketing, from the standpoint of women building businesses that could be interesting for brands and products. And I am proud to say there are several women business owners who have built magnificent brands, to name a few, Mary's Medicinals, a fabulous woman out of Denver who built Mary's Nutritionals, a CBD line, and Mary's Medicinals, and she was able to scale that to 12 states and just recently got an exit. We want to see women who are building technology companies because if you look at a dispensary or cultivation there is a real lack of strong technology platforms to drive these businesses forward. So there's a huge opportunity. Those are just some of the areas. Well, that is very exciting to hear, Jean. And I know with, with, with you being one of the major leaders in this, that, uh, you know, that the women's participation is going to happen. That's for sure. And I'm, I'm thrilled to hear about this. Now, you started to talk about some products, and I just want to switch gears a little bit yep. because I know this is something that we're all asking about these days because, I mean, there are literally CBD products for everything from your shampoo, your pets, your whatnot, and it's confusing. And I know Dr. Oz recently did an expose of actually looking at some of these to see what was actually in them, and he said that 80% of them are actually fake and have nothing in them or such a minute uh, amount and that it's not FDA regulated. So what, what do we do as consumers when we're looking at, at these products out there? How do we know what's real and what's not? It's an important question because I was in Arizona, in fact, and I was in a store that said CBD. So I went in, you know, just looking, and there were some products for pets. And the shop owner said, oh, you can use this yourself. Can you imagine? Uh -huh. I mean, really. And so I told him, I said, look, I'm in the business. There's no way I would ingest this. It was a tincture. But I do believe there are plenty of wonderful CBD products. And you are right. There are thousands and thousands and more every day. So how do you know? Well, first of all, products that are legal and that are uh, appropriate for use have to have what's called a COA, a certificate of analysis. And, the, and so the companies that are the ones that you should look for have to publish those or should publish them. So find a brand. You could go online or even go in a store and maybe take a picture of a brand or look online and find a brand. But then look at their website and see if you can find the COA. This is important. I use CBD every day. I think it's important that the brand that I use. So I what do you what do you use it for? Yes. Okay. So you know those aches and pains you feel when you go climbing up. The oh, I think so. <laughs> it takes those away. My knees don't hurt climbing up the subway steps anymore because CBD takes away those aches and pains. I also have a persistent cough. Due to things that I eat, I seem to be allergic to a lot of food. Within 30 seconds, 
the CBD takes it away. I like the tinctures. A lot of people don't like the taste, uh, but I don't mind the taste of the one I use. I know it's tested. I happen to know the CEO. It comes from hemp grown in Colorado. I want to make sure I know <clears throat> where the hemp is grown. And also, just to make it clear, the, there is also CBD that comes from the marijuana plant. Now, let me just make it clear. The compound, the molecule, is the same molecule. It can come from hemp or it can come from the marijuana plant. And I'm differentiating because they're both really under the cannabis species. Mm -hmm. So if you go into a dispensary because you have a card or you go into an adult use store in some of the states like Colorado, California, Washington, Oregon, to name a few, and Illinois just passed adult use. So starting January 1, Illinois will have stores or dispensaries. You can also find CBD there, but it might be mixed with THC. Now, just to make it clear and be a little technical about it, the hemp that's sold has to have less than 0.3% of THC. THC is the compound that gets you the high, but at that level, there is no high effect. So the CBD I take has that less than 0.3. But if you're in a dispensary, you can get any combination. You can get one-to-one -one CBD to THC. You can get high CBD to very low THC. And so what I'm saying is there's a variety of compounds and formulations. And that's why, that's why this efficacy issue and what's the research, what works for you, that is unknown. It's all experimentation. And so I think it's important to understand that. And if you're in an adult use store, people call it bud tenders. Don't you love it? They're standing. <laughs> I know. It's hysterical. They're standing behind the counter. They have a variety of knowledge, but some are very knowledgeable. In the New York dispensaries, to give New York one good plug, those are well-tested products, and they have to have a pharmacist, a real PharmD, in the dispensary. And so I've gotten a lot of knowledge by talking to the pharmacist. And so reading and understanding what you're going to ingest is important. Back again to CBD and your good question. In New York State and in other states, they actually have do not want to see CBD mixed in with food in restaurants. And so they've been very, very harsh about that. And mm -hmm. they've kind of looked the other way for CBD on the shelves in health food stores and in other, in other stores. But I would be very careful about buying CBD from just any store. I would take a picture of it. I'd look it up. Is that COA in place, that certificate of analysis? Where is it from? Was it tested? I would make sure it's tested. Let's also segue to the vaping crisis, which has created a big ordeal and really has halted some things going on in the business. Here's what's happening. It's been found that a lot of the vape products, I'm talking about vape pens, where you ingest it into your lungs right. and into the throat, it has Which been, all these teenage, you know, yes. middle school kids are into. Yes. Now, yeah. that's also from products like the Juul and tobacco products. 
So that's different, but it's also created the vaping crisis from both tobacco products and from these cannabis products. But every cannabis product that's been found in the vape pens has come from the illicit market, not from any of these legal dispensaries. There's been no known incident from the legal mm -hmm. dispensaries because they've been tested for the most part. Now, having said that, I just want to be clear that even some states don't mandate testing, but believe me, New York and California, Colorado, believe me, that testing is critical and important. So I can stand behind those products. And right. so I think it's important to understand, has it been tested? And then again, on vaping, uh, you do not want to buy vaping products from the illicit market. Well, this is this has been really great advice, and uh, and especially on the CBD products in terms of what to look for. And you definitely right. made the case for how important it is to be an informed consumer, particularly Indeed. in this area, since it's growing so quickly and Indeed. and uh, in so many instances not regulated either. But yet, there's so many benefits we can derive from it. So I thank you for that because that's really helped me a lot today, and I know it will to all of our listeners. So before we go, this has been really a fascinating conversation, June, I have to say. I've learned so much in a little bit of time here just talking and listening to you, uh, you because I have really did not have this uh, understanding of really what was going on. But I want to go back to something um, in general about women because you know at the Three Tomatoes, we're big believers in second, third, fourth acts that you're never too old to stop doing anything. And you have a great mantra. I love it. You talk about refire, rewire, but don't retire. So as we close, what would be some of the advice you would give to women in midlife and beyond who are thinking, oh, you know, it's this is over. I'm not going to have a chance to create another business or whatever negative thoughts are floating through their heads because they just think they're too old. What would you say about that? You know, so many women come to me and they say, but I'm too old to get that job. I just want to slap their face because <laughs> I said, and often I do. I have said for years, we often put ourselves in a box. Guess what, Cheryl? There is no box. And so by you have to reach out. You have to go where the action is. So if you want to play in cannabis, as I said, there's more than 200 events happening a year. That's just in the U.S. and many in the New York area and certainly in California and Los Angeles where you also are very active. There's just so much going on of informal and more formal conferences. And so uh, we went around the room one time because at our ArcView events, we get the women investors together and we have our own uh, lunch, just the women. And we went around the room and we asked everybody to give one line of some of the most important advice. And somebody said something, and this stays with me. They said, I learned early in life, take the meeting. And I love that. Sometimes you're not in the mood. It's late at night. It's cold and rainy. And there's a conference or there's a gathering, and you're not quite in the mood, but you push yourself to go, and maybe that's the night. You meet somebody who says, oh, my golly, 
you're a longtime CFO of a major company. I need you in my company. And that's how it happens. Those connections, that kind of networking, meeting somebody who can open a door, that is what's important to do. And by doing that, that's how it happens. And then I love it when people say to me, hey, Jean, I really want to get into this company or that company. They don't say, give me a list of companies. They say, can you get me into Google? Can you get me into this cannabis company? And that's the kind of door I love to open so people can walk through it. And that's what I think women, supporting women, I think that's what it's all about. Well, you are just awesome, and you're such a, a glowing example of women helping women, and I like to turn around that phrase uh, because, really, it's, it's women like you. There is definitely a place for women like you in heaven because you are reaching out, helping other women, and uh, I can't thank you enough. So how would people get in touch with you? I would be most happy to field anybody's email. It's hard to meet, but it's easy. To, uh, to respond to an email, and I like doing that. And if I don't respond, it means I just didn't see it. So my, my name at Gmail, Jean Sullivan at Gmail, spelled the J-E-A-N-N-E dot Sullivan at gmail.com, gets to me, and I'm happy to answer you. That's terrific. Thank you so much, Jean. We can't thank you enough for uh, really educating us and enlightening us today on this topic. So thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Good work, Cheryl. Thank you.